am I Reister or am I wrong? Football fans are already demanding that their head coaches be fired, but do not fire your coach until you take my test. It's two questions. Trevor Lawrence, Clemson quarterback, he tested positive for coronavirus, but nobody is talking about the right things. It is absolutely silly to criticize the Big Ten commissioner, Kevin Warren, over Nebraska not being able to play University of Tennessee Chattanooga. The McDonald's McRib is back, and it is a jailable offense for anybody to eat one. And my college football picks for the weekend. Am I Reister or am I wrong? Is the intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet the truth? Monday, Wednesday, Friday, fire. Facts only here. Check your feelings at the door before you even show up because there's no BS allowed. I keep it 100. Make sure that you leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're watching it on YouTube, give it a thumbs up, like it, do all of those things. Most importantly, share. Share it with a friend. Share it with whoever, whether you do a text message, email, whatever. Spread the good word. And you can get a hold of me, GWPodcast at UnafraidShow.com and make sure that you subscribe. And you can listen to me as well on the Pac-12 Apostles podcast and Fox Sports Radio Sundays, 2 to 5 p.m. And that's 5 to 8 Eastern time. And of course, weekdays filling in. Reister or wrong and you will get it. Um, We're going to start with what would be my parting shot today about the damn McDonald's McRib. I get on Twitter this morning. I find out that this nasty ass sandwich is back on December the 2nd and everybody's all excited about it. And like they should probably spell it M-E-A-T-E, meat, instead of meat, because it's like crab. You you know when you buy imitation crab and it's spelled with a K? That's what it is. This is a fake sandwich. It is a jailable offense. And all the people who like the McRib, you need to show your face because who, if you endorse this, you don't deserve good food until you denounce this trash. The McRib itself should be jailed. It's a crime against real food and it makes fast food absolutely intolerable as well. So whoever thinks that this is a great idea, it hasn't been out for, since 2012 and there's a reason because it's trash. Okay, now on to the rest of the show. Football fans are already demanding that their head coaches be fired. Do not, under any circumstances, fire your coach until you take my coaching test. It'll be up on Unafraid Show as well. If you haven't heard about it before, here it is. There are two questions that you need to ask before you demand that your coach is fired. And these require realistic answers and being real with yourself. The first thing is, is there a coach that I can guarantee get to take my job that's better than the current coach? And that means this is where you have to be realistic because every coach has to be evaluated at the end of every season. I totally believe this with all my heart, regardless of whether you went undefeated and win the national championship or whether you went defeated and didn't win a game. Your coach needs to be evaluated. And the first question is, is there a coach that you can guaranteed get that's better than the coach that you have now? Like, for instance, the people at Penn State, they're happy with James Franklin. But 
if Nick Saban or Dabo Sweeney became available and called up to Penn State and said, yo, I want this job. Hell yeah, you fired James Franklin. But if you can't guarantee get one of those guys, then guess then maybe you need to keep your head coach. That's the first question. And that's where I'll get into in a second, people being realistic or being unrealistic. The second question that you need to ask is, is there hope? And what I mean by hope is, can your current coach go into the locker rooms or the living rooms of 17 to 21 year old kids and sell them and their parents that the future is brighter than the past? Can you sell them that? Can you make them buy in, believe and go all in with you? If both of those questions can't be answered in the affirmative, then guess what? You need to keep your head coach, even if you don't love him at this point in time. And that's why I say you have to be realistic about question number one, which a lot of schools aren't. For instance, the University of Texas. They want Tom Herman fired. USC wants uh, Clay Helton fired. Okay, you can want them fired, but let's go with the first question. Is there a coach that you can guarantee get to take your job? Texas and USC want the same guy. They want Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer is on television, easy job, hosting a podcast, working side hustling at Ohio State. Is he leaving to take your job? Probably not. So be realistic. They uh, Texas fans on their board talking about they want Kyle Shanahan from the 49ers. So you mean to tell me this dude's going to leave the 49ers to come coach Texas? GTFOH, get the hell out of here. So that's where you have to be realistic and honest about where you are and where you stand. Well, how about if our coach is winning, but he can't recruit? That's not possible. Like recruiting is the lifeblood of your program. You're not going to win, especially long term, if you don't recruit well, which would lead to is there still hope? And then if you're in a fertile recruit, recruiting ground, then you have to ask, all right, can I get a better coach? So those are the two questions. And then what if you have a coach that recruits well, but constantly goes eight and five, nine and four, and you can never quote unquote, get over the hump. That means that if you're winning your non-conference games, you're probably getting close and he needs to recruit a little bit better, but still revert back to the two questions. Next thing up, Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, Clemson quarterback. He just tested positive for the coronavirus. There are people who have been asked, okay, well, when did the timeline start? When did the timeline start so we can figure out when he can be eligible to play? Because the ACC rules, they state that you have 10 days that if you test positive, that there's 10 days after you get it that you can come back and play if you pass all your requisite tests and have negative tests and all of that. But 14 days you're out through contact tracing. So that's what people have been focusing on. It's just the, it's just that part of it. Oh, well, is he going to be ready for the Notre Dame game in, in 10 days, 11 days? Is he going to be ready for that game? Well, how about let's start with the fact of Trevor Lawrence is a human being. Like people are asking the wrong questions. Is he okay? Because he said he's having mild symptoms yesterday. 
People do get sick from this. So the first thing that you have to do is evaluate this young man's health and stop worrying about the damn football game first. Worry about his health. Ask that question first. Oh, but he'll he'll, he'll be fine. He's 97%, 99%, whatever, whatever it is. Yeah, ask the kid, Ryquel, uh, what's his name, the running back for the Jaguars, who's been hospitalized twice. Regardless of how low the percentage is, you still have to understand that this is a person first. And that means that if you're Trevor Lawrence and you're going to be the number one pick, are you still out there playing ball right now after you put together good showings already this year? Because if that's my son mm, and he's not feeling too well, yeah, hell no. We're wrapping you up in bubble wrap. We're going to go get this money. We're going to go get this $30 million, and then we'll worry about everything next. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a bigger football fan, I believe, because I gave part of my life, part of my health, to playing football than people out there who claim to be football fans. And like, yeah, I want the games to be played, but we have to understand first and foremost that these are kids. They are unpaid labor for everybody else to make money. And we need to be concerned about their health because the only people who are supposedly paying attention to their health at this point in time are people who are financially benefiting from them. That means coaches, administrators, TV networks, whoever draws a multi-million dollar paycheck. Those are the people that are tasked with, quote unquote, protecting the players and making sure that their health and safe is a priority. But that seems like a conflict of interest to me. If if I'm standing to lose millions of dollars, but I'm saying I'm supposed to keep these people safe. I'm looking at, okay, I got money over here. I got a business that might close or a business that may be affected. I have a conflict of interest, which is what's happening in college football. So people can tell you can run me all the statistics that you want. You can run me all the, the, the likelihoods, but we, but the truth is we don't know all of the, all of the long-term health consequences of this thing. And if Trevor Lawrence or my son shoe in number one pick, I'm happy he got a chance to play. But at the point in time, if he's act, if he actually gets sick at all, I'm not talking about if he just has a little cough or something or, but if he's not feeling well, yeah, no, we're going to make sure he's good because, and yes, the myocarditis may not be as big of a deal as people originally thought, but we're getting my kid checked out because we're not running. I'm not running statistics on my kid. Because I'm not down with being an outlier because somebody has to be that person. That's why I've said it is absolutely silly to criticize Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren. So he's taken a lot of heat from a whole lot of people about the Big Ten not allowing Nebraska to play against University of Tennessee Chattanooga. So it all started. Wisconsin was supposed to play Nebraska this weekend. Wisconsin had uh, 12 positive coronavirus cases, six players and six people in the administration. The Big Ten rule, including their quarterback, their starting quarterback, Big Ten rules say with their protocols, 21 days, 21 days that you have to sit out if you're a player and you test positive. And that has led to criticism of Kevin Warren because Nebraska said, okay, since we can't play, 
Let's go schedule University of Tennessee Chattanooga, who says that their testing policy is even more stringent than the Big Ten's. And I just found it crazy and just hilarious that Kevin Warren is being blamed for a sensible decision, that this is some kind of way divisive because the Big Ten games, the conference games are the priority. It's not just games in general. Last week, the Ohio State game was the highest rated game in all of college football. The second rated game was another Big Ten game. That was over Alabama and Tennessee. Like that was over the Auburn game versus Ole Miss. That was the Big Ten gets the best ratings. So that translates to money, which is actually the only reason why they're playing. So increasing risk by contact with teams that either don't have the same protocols as you or, or you're not sure is a for a glorified exhibition is silly. It doesn't make sense. And that's why I said that, like, it's insane to me that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 conferences erroring on the side of safety when people's lives are at risk, is controversial. How is that controversial when we're dealing with people's long and short-term health risks? Because there's so much that we don't know. This is the part that make that that I get confused about. Because I get that we're all football fans. Like I want football to be played as much as the next guy. But and I've said all along that playing is the right answer if you have the proper po- protocols in place. Testing and contract tracing the way when somebody does get it, which is inevitable, you can minimize the spread. And then after they do get it, cardiac and respiratory screening to make sure that these players are A-OK. That way you do catch the outliers, because if you don't, something bad will absolutely happen. And I've stated from the beginning that the each school's risk tolerance is zero of having a negative, a tremendously negative outcome, regardless of whether it's death or just a picture of a kid on a ventilator that ends up surviving. That does not work because that also creates long-term financial liability for these schools, which is not going to work at all. Um, Next thing up, my college football picks for the weekend. Last week was rough. I'm going to be honest. I went 2-5-1. and one. I should have been 4-2-1, but I'm sorry, 4-3-1, four, four, and one, but I had some bad luck. Obviously, the SEC officials, they screwed me in the Ole Miss-Auburn game when they didn't see on the kick return that the Auburn guy touched it on his fingers. Ole Miss would have recovered for a touchdown. This is a, that was a disaster. So, I'm still got you are what your record is. So I was two, five, and one, but I was completely, I was seven and one just against the picks, but against the spread, two, five, and one. So let's see if we can do better this week. First game up, we got Georgia minus 17 at Kentucky. This should absolutely be a layup for Georgia, but what we saw against Alabama. And the previous game with the quarterback issues with Stetson Bennett, the fourth. 
all the Georgia fans, they love the kids. Walk-on story. Oh, it's amazing. He's such a folk hero. He struggles a little bit. Now they're dissing. Oh, we can't have a walk-on story starting at quarterback. They want JT Daniels. They want somebody else. So uh, Georgia has been plagued by turnovers last week versus Alabama. Kentucky's defense has been thriving off of turnovers. However, I doubt that Kentucky can score offensively. So Georgia wins this game and Georgia covers. Those 17 points are safe. Next game, Memphis at Cincinnati. Cincinnati is favored by six and a half points. Memphis continuously has notoriously high scoring games because their defense is kind of weak. Cincinnati's good. Their offense is not potent by any means. Luke Fickle's a great coach, but the thing that this game comes down to is can Memphis stop the run? Because that's what Cincinnati is going to do first and foremost is run the football on you. I doubt they can, but they can turn around and score points. And the Cincinnati offense is just okay. Therefore, Cincinnati wins the game, but Memphis beats that six and a half. I'm afraid I'm going to get beat by a field goal here or an extra point missed, but that's okay. I'm still taking Memphis beating the spread. Next game up, Michigan State versus Michigan. I, I had to look at this line like three or four times to see if it was real. Like this is saying Michigan State. New head coach playing against John Harbaugh, minus 24 and a half points. What? Michigan's favorite by 24 and a half points. So then I went and looked. I was like, this is a big rivalry game. There can't be that many blowouts, right? Uh, slow down, George. Four of the last 10 meetings have been decided by 23 or more points. Some of them going both ways. Four out of the last 10. That means these are just absolute runaways some, sometimes. And I'm not sure what I'm supposed to make out of Michigan State after losing to Rutgers last week. And Rutgers has been a doormat. I know they got Greg Schiano back, but they're, what, without an offseason and all that, there's no way that they could be that good that fast, right? No way. And Michigan State had to just play poorly in their week, week one, right? Right? Kind of like Mississippi State played out of their mind. LSU, even though they lost a bunch of players, didn't play. You know what I mean? Get it, right? So I think Michigan State recovers somewhat. That way they don't get trashed, but they still just, I mean, they're not losing by more than 23 points. They're not losing by more than 23 points, even though Michigan absolutely dominates this game and they may lose 18 to 20. Actually, that's still getting trashed, but whatever. They're not losing by more than 24 and a half points. I'm so sorry. Um, next game up. LSU minus three at Auburn. LSU, they've recovered somewhat from their meltdown against Mississippi State and Missouri. They beat another bad team last week in South Carolina. Miles Brennan, their quarterback, is likely out again. The kid, the freshman, TJ Finley, is back in there starting, and he'll do just fine. As long as he scores points early, this is a guaranteed win. I don't trust Auburn quarterback Bo Nix further than I can throw him. They're running, their young running back, freshman running back, big speed kid is nice, but only three, three points? 
I'm taking LSU. I'm taking the Tigers. Go Tigers. They're going to win and they're going to cover that three points. Next game up. Texas at the overrated Oklahoma State Cowboys. Cowboys are favored by three and a half points. Tom Herman is on the hot seat over at Texas. And that's when fighters start winning. Because he's a fighter. Like he's giving the crowd the middle finger and everything. Like th- this is who he is. He's hearing whispers about Urban Meyer, Tom, Kyle Shanahan. They even want Mike Gundy from Oklahoma State, who's basically on the hot seat at Oklahoma State. Get out of here, dude. Texas fans don't know what the hell they want, but they're going to get a win this weekend. Um, they're, Yeah, they're going to get a win this weekend because Oklahoma State is so overrated. They're in the top 10. They, they're falling back to earth. I don't believe in Mike Gundy. Their quarterback, Sanders, is a liability throwing it, even though he's a phenomenal runner. So, yeah. So, take Texas. Y'all don't even need no damn points because this is my lock of the week. This is my upset of the week. Don't worry about it. Forget it. Just put it in. Next game up. Ohio State at Penn State. Ohio State's favorite by 12 and a half points. 12 and a half points at Happy Valley. This number is way too generous to Penn State. I would have set this line at about 16 and a half because Justin Fields and the Buckeyes team are going to go into Happy Valley and do bad things to Penn State. They're going to do mean things to them. The James Franklin, James Franklin and the fans are going to have to wait another week to rebound from that Indiana loss. On a heartbreak on the two-point conversion kid just barely tapping the pylon or crossing the line. The reverse, I mean the review, that was heartbreaking. But that's where they're at right now. So they're gonna have to wait another week. Oklahoma, I'm sorry, Ohio State with another lock win and cover. 12 and a half points. That's easy work. They're winning by more than two touchdowns here. Uh last game up. We got Arkansas at Texas A&M. Texas A&M is favored by 12 and a half points. They're playing at home. They're going to have a crowd. Uh, Gus Malzahn, I didn't mean <laughs> uh, the uh, Florida Florida head coach. He was talking about how that there was a distinct advantage with them having a crowd at Texas A&M when Florida played down there. But this is absolute upset alert. Felipe Franks, quarterback now at Arkansas, used to be at Florida. He's not better than Kellen Mond. But Jimbo Fisher is due for a letdown. He beat Florida. Everybody's riding high. One last week. Yeah, we love Jimbo again. Now he's going to let you down. Um, I'm going to take Arkansas plus the points. This is an upset alert, but I'm not predicting this upset. I'm going to take Arkansas and them 12 points and feel very comfortable about it. And I think that Texas A&M likely wins, but just barely. That was the last game, but there is good news. The Pac-12 will be back next week. Order will be order will be restored in college football. You get to see the Duckies. They are going to make plays. Am I right, sir, or am I wrong? I'm probably Reister, but if not, leave a comment, send a message, 
GW Podcast at unafraidshow.com. Peace out. Catch you guys next week. Have a great weekend.